And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. I think this is the first time in a while it's been all three of us, actually. I, I only just realized that as I was doing the intro, because you guys did one without me earlier this week, and then I think it was me and Sahadev last week, and yeah, yeah, it's been a minute. So good to you know, good to get the, the crew get all the together. Get the trio back together. Back to full strength. <laughs> back to full strength, that's right. I came off the I.L., I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fresh. Uh, So we wanted to talk uh, a bit about the Cardinal series that just concluded five gamer and uh, also get into some uh, national baseball news that'll touch on some Cubs concepts. And um, I think, I think, yeah, we'll start with that Cardinal series, which would have been fun for the Cubs to take that last game. If only because then you could really strengthen the whole boy. They are, really showing something in the second half. They've won six series in a row. They just took a series from the Brewers, just took a series from the Cardinals. Just, I mean, it's it's the sort of writer mindset because it doesn't, you know, what's the difference in one game, right? If they won that one game or lost it, it doesn't actually change the reality of the situation in either direction. It just kind of makes it a little more narratively clean. So acknowledging that upfront, that the Cubs did lose that series to the Cardinals. I, I could not help but walk away from it thinking about that that the 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 chasm between the two teams right now as they are presently constructed not even necessarily looking that far into the future just sort of these two teams on paper playing each other on the field like when you look at those two things you know how they look on paper how they look on the field they they just didn't strike me as two teams that are as far apart as they are in the standings right now and that's of course a, a reality the cubs were a, a very uh, disappointing, underperforming, not great team in the first half. Um, and the Cardinals have gotten on a real heater uh, over the last couple months. Good for them. God bless. Uh, <laughs> but just seeing these two teams, I just didn't, it wasn't like the times when we've seen the Cubs playing behemoth teams and you're like, oh shit, man, they are not even in this team's universe. I just didn't, didn't think that the whole time, that series. Yeah, I think... Part of the argument of why the Cubs should be aggressive this winter is that the division just isn't that scary, right? It's not about they need to be aggressive this winter so they can be the Astros or the Dodgers or the Yankees or whatever, whoever you want to compare them to. Uh, Hey, Cubs, by the way, 
better record than the Yankees <laughs> over the last two two and a half months. Just saying. Well, Just there saying. you go. So they can even compete with the Yankees. That, <laughs> but it's a. I mean, this is a weaker division in comparison to the rest of baseball outside of probably the AL Central, right? And it, while while the Cardinals certainly have some young talent that that could be coming up and impacting the team in short order. I, I don't think I, I don't disagree with your general premise that this isn't like some some team that's just leaps and bounds better than the Cubs. You'd say that at the end of last year. Right. You'd look at the teams and say, oh, this is rough. Like it, it, and I think that's a big that's a big difference between this year and last year is the second halves are just completely different. As good as Frank Schwindel played, as good as Patrick Wisdom played. Uh, even Rafael Ortega, nobody was saying like, oh, thank God these young, uh, you know, nobody was looking at them as these young building blocks, right? You would hope that one of them stood out and, and could be a piece going forward and wisdom kind of looks that way. But now you have so many different players that you can point to, uh, whether it's Steele, Nico, uh, Christopher Morrell, just like even a bench player like Nelson Velasquez, whatever he may turn out to be, whatever Nick Madrigal may turn out to be, uh, various uh, depth pieces like PJ Higgins and bullpen guys like Hughes. Obviously, I mean, the big thing is the corner infielders, right? Look at St. Louis's corner infielders, and those are superstars. Uh, we can we can talk about how they got them and, and talk about the fact that they, they used the depth of their system and capitalized on a situation. And but uh, I have to slide in on that point just because, and this is not directed at use hot. The Ro- yeah, the people- Rockies trade. Is not it's a- just it, it's, it's both of them. And yeah. it's it kind of pisses me off a little bit because, OK, so the Rockies trade, the, the Cardinals barely gave up shit because yeah, they, they were taking on anything. the contract. And then the Goldschmidt deal, it was only one year. He only one year right. left in his deal. And it really was not a massive return. It's it was a decent that, return. It just hasn't it, over well, time. It's it's a bad it, return. It was right? not. What Which, I mean is it was not at that time a deal that the Cubs like could oh they just don't have the talent to make that deal. I, well, they I don't know they had I don't Anthony, think I don't they had think Anthony they had... Rizzo so there was no point to even consider it but I'm not sure if they had even the talent back then to get like of did they course have... they, to get one year of Paul Goldschmidt of course every system uh, in baseball has enough if you were going to uh, rate it yes uh, well one I'd year say, I'm and not he was sure. on a downtrend too I'm not sure I'm they had saying. the depth to give up a guy like Luke Weaver and Carson Kelly at that I'm not time. saying they could have I'm not saying the Diamondbacks would have chosen whatever deal. Okay. Come. My point is more, I don't, what I don't like is, is people acting like, and again, I'm not saying you're saying this. I don't like people acting as though they're like, well, boy, you see the difference between these two orgs? The Cubs could never make a deal like that. Yeah. They could just never have enough talent to get a guy like that. And it's like, they didn't, but they had a deal. They could have traded for Arenado and they didn't. And they never yeah. extended one, any does, of those big guys the yes, way that Goldschmidt that does did. They, they would have come to yes. Goldschmidt with like this kind of half-hearted, offer you know like if you look back on this period of trading guys four guys at the right time and extending your core guys they didn't do either one of those that's like a massive difference they They have the two most valuable players in the nl because of that so it's not about it's not about the ability to do these things okay yeah yeah, it's just the execution that's that's right and i'm i beef about that like the the cups should have been in on arenado like we were talking absolutely they were on arenado yeah and well, you're right. Yes. Or I guess that was, was a year just, before, maybe. I'm trying to remember. They yeah, were was, and they were insisting on Hayward going the other way as a contract right. to frame it and whatever. There are reasons why it didn't happen and reasons that I think are properly uh hurled at the Cubs as, as a mistake. My only point is just that 
in terms of evaluating the state of the organizations and like sort of whatever. And it's even more true now, given the Cubs system depth, like they can do this stuff. They can, they have the ability, you know, oh, if the, they the next, absolutely, they absolutely, like the next guy now. comes on the market. They can do this stuff. Well, that's, I mean, that's part of the point, right? They, they can do those things. So there's no reason. A lot of people are like, well, I get a, a lot of pushback on the Cubs should be aggressive this winter. Uh, almost like, well, they have too many holes to fill. Uh, and it's like, well, yeah, they have a lot of holes to fill still. It's not like they don't have – that's the whole point of being aggressive and filling some of those holes. You don't fill every single one in one offseason. So the idea – so I guess the pushback is don't be aggressive this winter and hope that prospects fill those holes over the next year and then you have fewer holes to fill next – the following offseason. I'm not sure I follow the logic of I think not being aggressive too many people- this winter. Well, they think they think you you can only look at being aggressive as if you're looking for finishing pieces. That like that's when you're aggressive is to put you over the top. It's that's when you make a, mistakes. That's when you screw well, up. It's, it's also when that's when trade deadline thinking infiltrates off season thinking, and they are really very different things. Like people, when you talk about giving up sort of impact prospect currency to get that one guy at the deadline that puts you over the top or solidifies you for the postseason, that I think there's a reasonable discussion there. But that way of thinking should not at all be the way fans or the Cubs think about the offseason for precisely the points you made, which is that you're, you're talking about building out a quality team over the course of multiple years. And you never know what's going to happen if you add those pieces in the offseason and the Cubs look better in the first half next year and then you address some more at the deadline. Like, it's just silly to have that kind of like you have to be in a spot to put that one finishing piece in the off season that that doesn't make any sense to me they're the cubs just go go make a go go build a better team than the one that we've watched the past two year and a half <laughs> with that in mind this is for brett i would like to submit um a nominee for the next class of cubs hall of fame inductees i'd like a, i'd like a plaque for the competitive balance pick that the cubs do not get <laughs> and that it will note how the Cardinals do have it. And that in spite of that, the Cubs have still They're operated yeah. as a National League charter <laughs> franchise for whatever, 150-something <laughs> years. And I've won you know, more than one World Series during that time. I mean, they've overcome that to come this far. And I think that should be noted oh. in that whatever. I don't even know where it is. That little alleyway under the bleachers. The competitive balance pick they don't get. That is my contribution. I'll uh, email Ed Hardig or something like that. Yeah, there you go. It's so that is a funny clip because it is like that's a that is a aspect that we point to a lot about the differences in the organizations and uh, that the Cubs that it is like we we joke I think over the top about how important it is. Where every time something happens for the Cardinals, like oh they got another competitive balance pick. But one thing that I think is important to this conversation about that topic is it's just a reminder. We've said this before. There are institutional elements in place contemplated by the league to provide benefits to the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Reds, and the Pirates that the Cubs don't get because the Cubs are expected to spend more money. That is a that is a, a part of the fabric of the sport is that we have to help prop up the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Reds, and the Pirates because the Cubs are this big market team with the huge you know international fan base and they're going to spend more money so we have to try to balance it out that's why it's called a competitive balance pick and 
that is another reason why it's like the the Cubs don't have to just because some deals in free agency end up being not great in three or four years. That alone is not a reason not to explore high price deals in a given offseason. It's just a reason to to sign the right deals. It's it's a reason to, to pick players better, to, you know, do all of these things that like you don't hold up Jason Hayward as this reason to not do things. If anything, if you if you must hold him up as an example of something, you hold him up as an example of maybe not relying on a defensive floor for a corner outfielder. If you're going to sign a monster deal, don't assume that a, a high defensive floor is going to save the deal because it won't. Or uh, age, maybe age isn't this like, oh, he's 25, 26, then that means boom, we can definitely get, you know, he won't fall off for a while. Don't assume that. There's just a lot of other things that if you had to use that deal as like a learning point, you could point to things. The thing is not, oh, never sign yeah, a huge deal. Yeah, there's a, there's been a lot of that uh, um, in the comments section, in the in the, in the replies to any of our tweets about uh, don't spend big, don't don't waste money on a big free agent. The whole uh, Brett and I have have had to battle the people about the shortstop talk uh, as well as if uh, Nico Horner can never be moved off shortstop. Who I, I don't think there's uh, one of us in this in this uh, podcast that has anything bad to say about Nico Horner or doesn't believe he's a, he can be a very big part of their future and then be a part of a winning team and even be shortstop on a winning team for this team, sure. for this group. Uh, it's just that who is available. And w- one push I got was like, spend money on a, on a third baseman. Okay. Who's that third baseman that you're <laughs> spending on? Like, and, and s- there just isn't really that player. And, and I'm not sure if that player's really, like they're just not really that many of them in baseball, but there's a lot available shortstops that can impact a team and change the kind of fortune of this team. And it just seems obvious to me that, that this is an, a prime time to, to spend and that not that they shouldn't spend going forward, but this division is there for the taking. They have talent coming up through the system it's it's just time to start spending again and to to be smart with it, but also be aggressive. And and there's just all these different ways for them to improve this club this offseason and going forward that uh, part of what Patrick and I wrote is about this tremendous depth that they're trumpeting about the pitching. Right. And we've talked about this a lot. Part of having that depth is they need to evaluate it and start looking who's going to be a part of our future, who's a real starter that we love and that we're, we value highly, and who's a guy that maybe it's time to capitalize and jump on in the trade market as well. It's not just about signing Carlos Correa, right? It's it's also time to look at this farm system as as a way to leverage it, like we just talked about with, with the Cardinals, right? I know, Brett, the, the, I totally agree on the Arenado deal. I, I think the... The Goldschmidt deal is more about even if the Cubs didn't have Rizzo there, they don't they ne- they hadn't had the type of depth where they could part with the guy that like if they had Luke oh, Weaver, and it he would have hurt. been like, yeah. yeah, he would have been like this prospect for them that they would have been like, oh, we can't give up Luke Weaver. We can't give up Carson yeah. Kelly like their future major leaguers. Now the Cubs have guys like, you know, in the lower minors like Moises Ballesteros, who three years ago, people would have been like, whoa, he's their top prospect. This guy's going to be a star and like over hyping him. 
when it's just like, oh, that's a really interesting depth piece that they have way down at low A. And, and you have to start leveraging that because when you look this deep, eventually some of these guys, right, the shine will come off and, and they won't be as impressive as prospects. Uh, so they have to be proactive. And I think this is the offseason where you start that. I'm not saying empty out the farm system and, and trade away all these guys. I'm saying some smart moves. It's time to start making those types of, of those type of moves that aren't rebuilding the farm system and replenishing the farm system, but helping the major league club win now. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I thought, tr- I mean, right or wrong, trading Scott Efros was an example of that, of kind of moving a guy too soon rather than too late. And kind of what we had all been talking about, of like if the Cubs want to say how great their pitching infrastructure is and how deep their farm system is, and now like there's so many prospects, like we've lost, you can almost lose track of how many great prospects there are at every single level. It's like, okay, then. That is true, though. It's like, okay, then. <laughs> Then, something go out, do something about it at the major league level. Like if you think you can build a bullpen on the cheap, year after year after year, and you have a lot of kind of pieces to fill out kind of the edges and the layers to your roster, then basically do what you did this past offseason: get a big time hitter like you did with Suzuki and a big time starter, Marcus Stroman, and we can kind of uh, debate who the best shortstop option would be and the pros and cons of that. And, you know, a qualifying offer with um, Rodon versus, uh, you know, a pitcher like Senga, who's not, uh, who's coming out of Japan and is not uh, subject to a posting fee. I mean, things like that. We can talk all around that, but I think it's pretty clear if David Ross, when Zahadev asks, you know, how close you are, and David Ross says, well, every conversation I have with the front office, the players, the coaches, we all think we're not far away. And when you ask Jed about it, he's, he just ignored the question. That's what happened <laughs> yesterday. I'll, I'll stick with my previous answer. Like, they don't want any sort of timeline. They just want to say everything's going to be great in the future. Like, this is the time where those two things should meet and convert it into, like, actual major league assets and, a, you know, a good product from start to finish. And I think that's a big advantage the Cardinals have. Their players don't look over their shoulder from the start of spring training, think like, oh man, they're going to blow the team up if we get off to a slow start. Or, man, I wonder if we have guys who are coming you know, behind us who can help out when injuries inevitably happen. Like, I mean, they're able to trade an injured center fielder who if, if Harrison Bader was on the Cubs, oh my God, everyone would have been like, you know, he would have had, you know, 
even an uproar to trade someone like that. And they just get this awesome starter for them who just is lights out from the moment he gets to St. Louis. Like they, they have a lot going for them as much as, you know, kind of enjoy making fun of the Cardinal way and how absurd it was that Yadier Molina just peaced out to go watch <laughs> some basketball back home. Like they're a formidable opponent and will be for the, as long as Jed Hoyer works at Wrigley field year after year after year. Yeah. And you can say, I mean, we won't dig into it a lot right now. The, the for as winnable as the NL central is, the other teams also have a lot coming. The Pirates have a lot coming. The Reds have a lot coming. The Brewers, they traded Josh Hader so that they could try to keep that pipeline open. If your only route in this division is waiting for your supreme depth of prospects to emerge and then show up in the big leagues, well, you're kind of just doing the same thing that every team is in this division right now. And so what are you going to do different? Where's the Where's the inefficiency? It's spending money. That's the inefficiency that you have available. And I and I, I have a, 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 you know, aggressiveness about my comments in that. I don't think the front office is ignorant of this. You know, I don't mean it to sound like that. But you know, I think ownership knows it too. I think they know where they stand in the landscape of entertainment options. I think there is a, a factor at play there that they know. Did it's I liked who it was used out of. I think you said it's time. That should be their marketing slogan for next year. You just you just gave it to them. Hashtag <laughs> it's time, because it is. It and it's a it's it's fast. It's abbreviated. It's a year and a half of a rebuild instead of four years. But that's the reality of this market and the money that should be available. And circling it back to what you guys were saying, when you do have this kind of depth, that does make it. It is true. I sometimes I forget about prospects at a given level because I'm just like, oh my god, there's another there's another outfielder that I should be paying attention to. Like, how many people are paying attention to Jordan and Wogu? He hit three homers last night, man. He's he's like the fifth best hitter in the system right now, and he's not even a top thirty prospect in the system. That says something. That means something. That is a legitimate thing. It's just you can't keep them all. They're not all going to break out. They're not all going to be big leaguers. And you have to be better than other organizations at scouting your own talent and knowing what levers to pull to translate that to big league success when you do have the kind of extreme depth that the Cubs do now. Um, all right, we could probably leave that there. That was good. Boy, I got to tell you, that that whole conversation, that's that's when the trio is in full force, you see. We're back. <laughs> we, we're, we are. We, that's our, we, we don't actually get to, like, our, you know, if, if someone came to us and was like, man, can't you guys do a little, little more arguing on there? Like a little more uh, uh, first take uh, kind of, or what is that what it's called? First take, hot take. What is that show called? Anyway, first take. I don't actually watch any of those. Uh, and so I'd be like, well, we, we kind of agree on most things. So it's, it's hard to, to manufacture that. But instead what we can give you is like a, a aggressive uh, escalation of agreement. <laughs> that's right. And also, and that's right. And also that, that's, that's what we're able to give you. So here's another thing that we agree on. Uh, the Cubs should extend Nico Horner. So speaking of speaking of the uh, shortstop market and free agency and its relationship to the Cubs already, quote, having a shortstop, um, it, it's so weird to me that some folks want to use that as like a handicap. You know, it's like, oh, you already have a shortstop. You are not allowed to pursue a shortstop free agency. No, I mean, Nico Horner's awesomeness is a luxury. It allows you to think about him as a movable P 
piece, you know, that he could move to second base and play there, or he could stay at shortstop, or he could be part-time at shortstop, or he could probably play a capable center field if you needed him to, and so on and so forth. And so it's all the more reason to be willing to explore the shortstop market this offseason, but it's also all the more reason to feel like this is a guy that you want to have around for a while. I mean, I'm not going to compare him... And so I'm going to do the dangerous thing and I'm going to throw out another name, which people will immediately think you're making a comp and I'm not, uh, but I'm making a point. You know, if you were, if you had Ben Zobrist, okay, at age 27, back in the day, um, the Rays, of course, don't do this, but if you could extend him and be like, you know what, this is a guy that we know is probably going to be pretty capable at the plate and able to play anywhere for the next six, seven, eight years golly, we would love to have him for those six, seven, eight years because no matter what else happens on the roster, we can use him. We can figure out a way to use him and get value out of him. That's where I am with Nico Horner. He's got three years of arbitration after this year. He's already, already into his three arbitration years after this season. I just look ahead and I'm like, no matter what else happens, this is a guy you're going to want to have available on your team for the next six, seven, eight years. So, if I'm in charge, man, I'm making that a, that is my priority one this offseason internally is saying, hey, we got to negotiate arbitration anyway. Are you interested in talking about a five, six, seven year deal? Because we, we, we're interested in talking about that. There's this big talking point right now in in Chicago, I feel like about uh, giving money to players early and then watching them uh, maybe feel like. Uh, oh, they're not, they're not playing as hard. They're not doing as much. They have their money, right? That's the, is this the, the White Sox? Thing? Yeah, people say that about the White Sox, right? You never hear, whenever you hear the example of like, oh, look at the the extensions. It's always Atlanta, right? The good scenario, uh, and and the people when they're trying to make that point, they don't bring up the White Sox where it's not working out so well. I don't know about. I don't know those players. I don't. I don't want to call into anyone's work ethic or anything like that or desire to play. I can tell you this, that won't matter with Nico Horner. You you can pay him whatever. You can give him all the money in the world. This guy wants to play baseball and he wants to win, okay? Those are those are just like the basic things that Nico cares about when it comes to playing baseball. He he loves being out there. Uh he loves getting better and and he sets a great example for his teammates by doing those things, right? And he's he's just a damn good ball player, right? He's not a superstar. He's not going to win a home run title. He's likely not going to be in any MVP races, uh, but he he's a I think he's a, he was a borderline All Star this year, and he probably ends up making some All Star teams. It helps when you play with the Cubs, and if the Cubs are a winning team, that'll certainly help, right? Uh, I thought you were going the other way. I thought you were gonna say it helps when you play with the Cubs, and they've got to get some representatives. <laughs> That's what I thought it was gonna be too. <laughs> you could you could go that route as well. I'm mostly saying like you know the Cubs when the Cubs are a good team, they're the Cubs, and people will be like, yeah, vote the vote the leader of the team into yeah. the All Star game type thing. But I think he'll probably deserve it as well it it's it seems obvious it it seems like all the questions my point is all the questions you may have about is this guy worth it the one thing you could say is this is the first time he's played a full season to stay healthy Uh, my counter to that is I think he was figuring out his body a lot over the past few years uh he's come into camp looking differently like almost every year right and finally i think he found this happy medium and and he feels good body wise he understands his body now he knows 
that that whole thing about uh, understanding what it takes to prepare for for a season for a game every day. I think that's something that I remember hearing Paul Canerco talk about uh, early on in his career, uh, and and it's just something something that clicked for him. And I think Nico's in that spot now where he knows what it takes. He knows how to handle an off season. He knows how his body needs to be for him to be his best self it's not always obvious it's not an obvious thing to know to know how you're you're supposed to be built to play this game and uh i think he's found that so so you, i wouldn't be as concerned about the health issues i, I would not i and 99 sure the cubs aren't even considering any concern about you know his his desire to you know still play hard and 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 play up to his best capabilities whether he has a contract or not uh, it just seems obvious. It seems like he's part of this team for the long run and, and wants to be here and wants to be part of a winning Cubs team. Brett, I think you're spot on with the uh, Zobris comparison, just in terms of like what Sahadeh was talking about. We saw him at the end of his career, but in terms of like a just a sense of routine and like knowing his body and what it would take to get ready like Ben Zobers kind of had no peer around the Cubs I mean his post-game routine was just enormously long (laughs) and we would have to wait for him sometimes and he was always great when he showed up at his locker and that's kind of like Nico just a real thoughtfulness about him a definite sense of purpose Um, just you know both of those guys would be like perfect as like TV analysts, like just because they can really explain high level things in a very simple terms that are easy to understand and can kind of recognize that there is always friction and tension in the clubhouse and uh, against the front office and the coaching staff, but can ad- address that in a very diplomatic way that does make it seem like they're, you know, ripping everything. They just are realists. And I think that has been in. Um, short supply at times around the Cubs and you know Nico does have uncommon maturity like Rizzo in his own way became a leader over the years but that was forced upon him and he was not really ready to handle it there were times where he was you know too much of kind of like the class clown and like there are lots of attributes like that that helped the Cubs uh, when the pressure was turned on like they needed that Rizzo's Rizzo's attitude, but I think Nico, in terms of like wherever the Cubs go from here, how they want to set their like day to day culture, I think it's harder to find a better advocate than Nico right now. And look, he's performing on the field. That's what this always comes back to. Jed is not going to pay for intangibles. He's made that uh, pretty clear. And Nico is in that window. Whereas I don't really understand why Ian Happ has been lumped into this because Ian Happ only has one year to go. Like the time for the Ian Happ thing was kind of a couple of years ago and he, his career had so many ups and downs. It'd be hard to find that common ground. But Nico is at that point where his clock started really fast. If not for like three different injuries, it may not have started until like 2021 uh, after the trade deadline. I mean, you never know. Um, so yeah, I think that's gotta be, um, if not on their radar, high atop the priority list. Because look, I mean, the Cubs did this even with guys like you know, Travis Wood back in there. They always, this almost always comes up. We don't always hear about it. We don't always know the parameters or the particulars, but this is like pretty standard operating 
procedure and you definitely would do it for a player uh, as special as Nico. Yeah. It seems like when the arbitration years roll around and we don't, like you said, we don't always hear about it at the time might hear it years later that, Oh yeah, there was this one time we explored that. And obviously the Cubs were, I don't know if unsuccessful is the right word. Cause some of the, some of those ended up being like, Oh, maybe it was better. That didn't work out um, situations. But um, I, I think it does seem very logical that it's a time. It's a time to talk about it. And the Cubs have uh, historically, at least under Theo and then presumably under Jed, they kind of draw firm lines on those extensions. And it's like, here's here's where we see the value. And uh, if it makes sense, like it did for Kyle Hendricks or David Bodie, cool. If not, Cubs, uh, they haven't had a lot of, um, uh, you know, and they're not overly sentimental about these things. And so, but I, but I think that with Nico, even just a cold look at the value he can provide and the ability to stay useful and valuable for a very long time, it just seems, seems high. It just seems, I, I, you can't ever say there's no reason not to get the deal done because sometimes the player and the team just have really fundamentally different ideas about these things. So I'm not going to say it's inexcusable not to get a deal done, but it just seems to make so much sense from where I sit. Uh, yeah, that's where we'll leave it for today. Uh, Cubs are playing in Milwaukee this weekend. Uh, a chance to beat up on the Brewers again now that they are a behemoth in the the central in the second half, at least, kind of. And uh, we will be back at you early next week. This is Ant Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. Catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. We appreciate you as always. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.